When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Break it time for the Pac-12. We wonder if the tide gets back on track. And we also wonder who is the favorite in the Big 12 at this point. All of this and much more on the Three Techniques Week 8 preview. A college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's. I'm Mitch Mason, joined across the way by Trey Reeves. Trey, it's a gorgeous night in DFW. Finally, the temperature has cooled down. I was wearing... Uh, quarter zips all week long it's been just a delightful week in the metroplex how are you my friend it's been absolutely beautiful finally feels like football weather and you know it's appropriate because we have a lot of like you said make it or break it matchups this week and kind of set the tone for the rest of the season so it feels like football season outside the matchups are heating up as the temperatures cool down you have to love it you have to love it this is a great time of year and we're really excited to get into the meat of the schedule now. You've obviously got contenders and pretenders separating themselves. Uh, we've obviously got multiple questions about who's going to emerge out of a couple of different conferences, as I teased off the top, the Pac-12, the Big 12, amongst others. We'll get into all of that, of course, in due time. But uh, off the top, a reminder to follow us on social media. You can find us at 3TechPod on Instagram and Twitter. Head on over there if you like to interact on a daily basis with just college football discussion. All three of us interact with you guys on those accounts, and uh, it's just a blast getting to curate content for you guys each and every game day as well. Uh, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, if you're brand new to the show, welcome. Glad to have you be a part of the 3Tech family. Hit subscribe, hit follow, and leave us a rating if you don't mind. It really helps us continue to grow the the, the show um, improve in the algorithm and uh, gain more followers like you uh, so that we can continue to grow the podcast and expand the family. Trey, without further ado, though, time to get into this podcast and the preview. And we've been kind of uh, opening each show with a question of the week uh, as of late. Today's question really had me had me chuckling this morning. Uh, a lot of national radio shows are in full-blown panic mode the the anti-SEC bias versus the SEC domination narrative continues to reign, but as Alabama fell to Tennessee, many started to wonder, is there a realm of possibility where the SEC gets three teams in the playoff? Now, I know in, on our last episode, you had said it's way too early to project who's going to get into the playoff, and that is certainly true. There is 
zero certainty with which you can make these predictions, but it's an interesting thought experiment. And the more I think about it, the more that I think there is maybe an avenue, a very small avenue that you can get three SEC teams in. I don't think it's very likely, but I'd love your thoughts. I think the avenue's about as wide as it was for Cincinnati last year. The Bearcats, you know, had a really slim margin for error, but they were able to get in. So is it an absolute impossibility? Definitely not, but definitely I think it's just more something to think about and kind of chuckle at the possibility of at this uh, at this point of the year, at least right now. Now there could be chaos and there could be carnage around the country. And if you're looking at a Big 12 champ with two losses, a Pac-12 champ with two losses, maybe an ACC champ with one loss or two losses, then yeah, absolutely that's a possibility. But I think the powers that be would do everything in their power to make sure that didn't happen. Um, It is kind of shades of 2014, though. You remember the first playoff poll where it was like Auburn number one, Mississippi State and Ole Miss also in the top three. So as SEC fans, it's hilarious to watch the just squirming and kind of uh, just mental gymnastics that are having to happen. Because I do think at this point in the season, Georgia, Tennessee, and Alabama are three of the top four teams in the country. Yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, it's you're hard-pressed to tell me that there are two, three, four better teams than really any one of those trio. Now, I think outside of Ohio State, Michigan, and Clemson, those are your three you know, favorites, I would say. TCU, they're a great story. They're a very good football team, but I don't think they're on that elite level. And then the Pac-12, it's, it's hard to tell what we have out West. Between Oregon, UCLA, and USC, again, really good football teams, but is one of them truly one of the nation's elite? I think that's what we start to answer this week. It's what USC wishes they had started to answer last week against Utah, um, so we'll get into all of that with the previews. I, I do find it funny that uh, this morning on one of the national radio shows, Jeff Schwartz was asked the question, you know, do you put a one-loss Georgia team from the SEC championship game in over an Oregon team that will be directly compared to Georgia from that season opener? And he made a very basic point. Oregon's allowed to get better over the course of the season, right? That's something that when we compare head-to-head matchups from earlier in the season, it's like we forget that, that the season doesn't exist in a vacuum, that teams don't progress uh, on, a, on a flat line, right, on the, on the X plane. They are allowed to navigate on the, the Y axis as well. And I think for Oregon, especially as you get into some of the numbers, uh, which we will right off the top here once we get into headliners, this Oregon team is improving. We gave them all kinds of flack early on for getting absolutely blitzkrieged by the the Bulldogs of Georgia, but I think they have improved. So like I said, is it likely that the SEC gets three teams in? Absolutely not. Is it a funny thought experiment? Definitely. Well, and just the fact that it's even a remote possibility has to give you excitement for the expanded playoff, right? Like all these other conferences that were against the expanded playoff, This is the reality where there is a greater than zero chance that there's not just two, but three teams from one of these super conferences or heck even uh, two from the sec two from the big 10. Sure. And that's a nightmare scenario for the other power five conferences. So has to get you excited about an expanded playoff in a couple years. Also, I don't know if you saw this, but Danny Cannell was trying to bang the drum of three teams from the ACC uh, Atlantic and 
goodness gracious, he just got ratioed to oblivion. So college football Twitter called that out and called out that hypocrisy. Well, and it's so funny because I like their show first thing in the morning. Honestly, it's how I wake up. I turn that on, you know, go through my morning routine and and get ready to head to work. But yeah, man, he says some things. Now, he, he was advocating for the expanded playoff, which I appreciated. But then when he started down that track, I was like, Danny, what on earth are you doing? You know, he bills Florida State as this juggernaut to have to overcome every single week. It's like, dude, just ah, I need a, I need a grain of reality in, in your hot takes. But we'll leave Danny Cannell uh, for another show another day. Last thing on this question of the day that we presented, Garrett, uh, who is not with us tonight, feeling a little bit under the weather. We wish him the best. He just included the Bugs Bunny no meme under this question, and uh, I, I think that certainly is the sentiment of the national audience. So do you think that three SEC teams can get in, whether it's reality or just a possibility? Let us know over on 3Tech Pod, at 3Tech Pod on Instagram and Twitter. All right, Trey, let's get into the headliners. We've got some fantastic games to focus on this week. It's not necessarily the breadth of schedule that we've seen in a couple of weeks past, but I tell you what, at the top of the funnel, the focus, the the cream of the crop, you've got some gems. And let's start with our game of the week. It is number nine, UCLA, going on the road to Eugene, Oregon, to face the top 10-ranked Oregon Ducks. Ducks are a six-point favorite at home. You can watch this Saturday afternoon on Fox at 2.30 p.m. in God's time zone. Trey, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Again, as I mentioned, we've been critical of Oregon, but they have certainly improved. You were beating the drum for UCLA uh, off, off the rip of this season, going all the way back to the preseason. It's an interesting game because it feels like, depending on what happens with USC, Utah's playoff chances are all but dashed. One of these two teams is likely going to be the favorite depending on if they make it to the Pac-12 championship. And it really puts a lot of pressure, I think, on UCLA to be the conference's favorite uh, at this point from a record standpoint. They're obviously undefeated. Do they go up to Eugene, Oregon and get the win this weekend? I'm not quite sure yet. I still have a couple of questions for UCLA. But man, when is the last time you were this excited for a Pac-12 game? Because yeah. I cannot remember the last time I was this excited, legitimately excited to watch a Pac-12 football game because it's going to be a battle of two great quarterbacks. We've kind of slept on Bo Nix since the debacle down in Atlanta, but as he's further and further distanced himself from the SEC and further and further distanced himself from that Georgia game to open the season, man, he's he's quietly started to look really, really good up there in Eugene. He's only thrown one interception. Since that week one game against Georgia, granted, it was a very bad one against Washington State that he got <laughs> clowned for on Twitter. Sure. But he's taking care of the football. He's moved the ball with his legs. He's looked really good through the air. And that's going to be the key for me because this UCLA defense, it's not, you know, 2021 Georgia, but they're really opportunistic. They're top 13 in the country in takeaways. They already have 13 takeaways this year. They're top 40 in sacks. They get to the quarterback. They take the football away from their opponents. It's going to be difficult. And I think maybe Bo Nix is due for a what-the-heck game. I hate to say that, but that's just kind of been the pattern of his career so far. Just when you think he's overcome all of those demons from the past, they just start to boil up again. So, yeah, I'm not going to pick against Oregon just because I think Bo Nix is due for a bad game, but I think that 
plus UCLA having a legitimately above average defense and a really, really good offense that's going to give the Oregon defense problems. I don't know if UCLA really on the fence if I'm picking them to win outright, but I'm definitely picking them plus six. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Oregon is 6-0 and when playing top 10 teams in Eugene, which is a wild statistic. It, it honestly kind of... When they're also in the top 10, right? Like it's top 10 matchups. Yes, yes. When, when it is a top 10 matchup, they are undefeated when their opponent comes to town. It's it's kind of a wild stat considering how highly ranked they've been in recent years, but they haven't had those those conference matchups that you've just been salivating over to your point where it's easy to get excited about what's going on in the Pac-12. So this is a real treat out West. Offensively, Oregon is scoring 37 points a game, which is, I believe, top 20 in the country. And like you said, Bo Nix has has really improved. It feels like a little bit each week. He's had some great moments. He's had some moments where it's like, ah, there's the Bo Nix that Auburn wished that they had had consistently. The problem is UCLA is scoring 40 points a game. And so I don't know that UCLA's offense is going to necessarily click against a talented defense that Oregon has. We've seen Oregon give up some points, but I, I think that UCLA is still going to operate efficiently enough to where at the very least they keep this game close. To me, I haven't totally decided on who I think wins this game. I I tend to lean Oregon because they are starting to answer some of those questions that we had about them with the quarterback, with the defense, uh, starting to show up more and more consistently, and I think that's a credit to Dan Lanning. Oregon is the more talented of the two teams, So I I think I will lean the Ducks to go ahead and win this at home. But because UCLA is so explosive on offense, and like you mentioned, very opportunistic on defense, they force turnovers, which could be to Bo Nix's downfall. The pass rush has improved this year. They had the Murphy Twins uh, transfer up there from North Texas. I just feel like this is a closer game than what the line currently is. So in my notes, I say when, when you've got a situation that, that uh, lays itself out like this, where it's going to probably be a shootout. I've got to take the points and thank America for leaving the line at six. So give me UCLA plus the six. I think the Ducks edge it out in a close one, but uh, I'll take the Bruins plus the points. Does this kind of give you Tennessee Bama light vibes? Like kind of two dynamic offenses. You're going to see who which defense makes one or two more plays right it's probably gonna be a lot of scoring the over under 70 and a half so kind of like a light version maybe less talented on the field but a light version of tennessee bama so where's the nearest river that oregon's goalposts end (laughs) up in when they win this game (laughs) yeah i I don't know we i i'll call up some family that lives in oregon see if they've got a river recommendation but uh yeah we'll see what happens uh garrett is on the ducks he's taking them Minus six, uh, he notes he expects it's uh, an amazing game to watch. He loves the offense for the Ducks. And then in parentheses, he says Bo Nix proceeds to lay an egg when he picks the Ducks. So hopefully not. Uh, I hope that, that Bo at least gives us a, a talented game, um, you know, a, a sharp game from a performance standpoint. I would hate, absolutely hate for the Pac-12's jewel of a matchup to be ruined by sloppy turnovers on both sides so we'll hope for a high scoring clean game and uh, let the cards fall where they may 
Let's go out to the ACC on the East Coast. Number 14, Syracuse on the road against number five, Clemson. They're going to Death Valley. The Tigers are 13 and a half point favorites. You can watch this on Saturday morning at 11 a.m. on ABC. Um, Listen, I I have publicly rooted for the Orange all season long. It started with my three and nine prediction for their season and my fear that Dino Babers was going to be receiving a pink slip halfway through the season. To my absolute elation, that has not happened, and Syracuse is out to their first 6-0 and start since the late 80s, which is insane to think about. Um, that being said, Clemson's defense is legit, and even though their offense at times has struggled to score, Syracuse's offense is so one-dimensional. It's run the ball or nothing, and Clemson's front four and and really front front seven with their linebackers, just a tenacious combo. The pass rush is going to get Garrett Schrader maybe plastered a couple of times today. And I think that that Clemson takes away Syracuse's one true threat, which is Sean Tucker running the football. So I've got sad orange noises leaving Death Valley. Give me the Tigers as my stone cold lock of the week. I think that's the prevailing narrative in this game. But Mitch, if I may, I would like to play a game with you. you. Are you down to play a game? I'm down always. All right. So, very simple, Syracuse or Clemson. Okay. Which team has a higher total yards per game on offense this year? Oh, my goodness. Um, it seems like the prevailing narrative would be Clemson. I may be setting you up to prove a point, but I'll say Clemson for the memes. It is Syracuse. So, Syracuse, more total yards per game on offense, 432.8 to 417.4. Which team is allowing more yards per game on defense? Clemson's had some some injuries, some missing personnel for a variety of reasons. And Syracuse, Syracuse has played some teams that have struggled to score the football. So I'm going to say the oh, correct absolutely. answer here is Clemson. Uh, the correct answer is Syracuse. They have allowed few, or Clemson has allowed more. Yes, so that's Clemson, what I'm saying. Clemson's, Clemson's, allowed, yeah, Clemson's more. allowed more. Clemson's allowed more. Okay. Um, which team is allowing more points per game this year? Um, that's a good question. Most of Syracuse's games have been pretty low scoring. Clemson had that high scoring affair against Wake. I'm going to say that one just threw the charts way out of balance. So Clemson has allowed more points. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Wake Forest kind of threw out the averages there, probably on yardage too. Sure. But which team is scoring more points per game? Goodness, that's a tough question. Uh, I'm trying to think just through some of Syracuse's wins. Uh, I mean, Clemson hasn't had any of their ten to three or seven to three losses, so I'm gonna, I'm still gonna say Clemson, but I'm very not sure about that. That's correct, but it's way closer than I expected. Looking this up, it's thirty-eight point six points per game for Clemson, thirty-six even for Syracuse. No so, way, Syracuse is scoring thirty-six a game. Syracuse is scoring thirty-six points per game now. Ow. Their schedule is nowhere near as difficult as Clemson's has been up to this point. So all of those numbers that I just said are huge asterisk next sure. to it because Clemson's actually played a tough schedule. They played a tough Wake team. They played NC State with Devin Leary, and they're way more battle-tested. You know, the joke is, is Syracuse good? We've been picking up on that joke with, uh, with the Sickos committee the last couple of weeks on the podcast, but... I think they have good pieces. I think Sean Tucker is certainly good. I think Garrett Schrader looks really good as well. But you're absolutely right. 
they really struggle to throw the ball against anybody that's just slightly above average in a pass defense. And they really haven't faced that much of a challenge this year on their schedule. Yes, they played and beat NC State last week, but of course that's without Devin Leary for the first first time. So all that being said, all games and jokes aside, I'm going with Clemson to cover the 13.5 point spread. I think it's a dose of reality for Syracuse, but still a really good story. And I think still a lot of wins on the table for the Syracuse Orange. I think Syracuse is a good team. I think Syrac- or I think Clemson against my preseason projections and prevailing narrative may be close to an elite team. When DJU is moving the ball and moving the offense, I think Clemson is an elite team. Uh, shout out Will Shipley running the football and thanks to their defense. Syracuse is a good team, but they're not a great team. Uh, and I think that shows tonight. I'm at Syracuse's bowl bound, which is exciting. Love that. We're going to see the orange in the postseason. I'm very nervous that the orange crashes back to earth over the remainder of their schedule. It is brutal. Yeah, it's it's way more likely they're bowl bound, but it's way more likely we see them in the pinstripe bowl than the orange bowl. So um, <laughs> I, I'm really excited to see if they can keep up the physical brand of football that they've been playing. I mean, that Purdue win looks better and better each week. That, that was is- a really good win that they were able to pull out at home. But yeah, I think this Clemson defense is just going to be too physical. I think they shut down that run game for the most part. They'll still get their yards here and there, but I think for all intents and purposes, Clemson's going to shut down the run game, and it's probably not going to be pretty by halftime. Yeah, Garrett is on Clemson minus 13.5 as well. That makes all three of us back in the Tigers. Let's go to the Big 12 in their game of the week. Number 20, Texas Longhorns on the road against the Pokes of Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State ranked 11th in the country following a heartbreaking loss to TCU. You can watch this game Saturday afternoon on ABC at 2.30 p.m. Uh, Texas, six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in that Stillwater. That was I'm, shocking I'm, when that came out. Yeah, I'm very surprised by that. I, I know that it was a bad loss for Oklahoma State in the way that they did lose the game, not that they lost to TCU, but again, the manner with which they blew a 14-point lead. I'll I'll turn it over to you. Make make this line make some sort of sense to me. I don't know that I can because I want to believe in both of these teams so badly. Like both teams have so many things you could point to and say, yeah, that's why they're not just a Big 12 title contender, but when healthy, a playoff contender, right? Do we buy into Texas? Like it feels so up and down with them. Like one week. After they destroy Oklahoma, you've got the national talking heads saying, are they going to be the first two-loss playoff team? Yeah. And legitimately starting to have that conversation. And I know it's easy to chuckle at now, but I mean, you could see it. You could see the path. You could at least realistically see the path a couple weeks ago. Then they turn around and just look not interested against Iowa State. And I know that's a symptom of a young team, and I know they were probably overlooking Iowa State just a little bit. Um, as they look ahead to this game against Oklahoma State. But on the other side of the ball, we were kind of in autopilot on Oklahoma State, I think, as a show. We were kind of just penciling in wins against TCU and maybe even Texas, but that conservative game plan and all these injuries that are stacking up just really, really make me nervous to uh, go all in on the Cowboys for the rest of the year. I don't know. Have you heard any? I know Gundy's kind of played it close to the vest, but I'm assuming Spencer Sanders is going to play. 
Yeah, I mean, he he separated his shoulder per reports last week in practice, then didn't practice all week, uh, and, and and looked fine. I mean, they were out until he him. didn't. He looked uh, fine until, until he didn't. Yeah, until he didn't. So. I don't know. Uh, I haven't heard anything. Like you said, Gundy's played it very close to the chest. That's the only thing injury-wise that, that makes this line make sense to me. Um, he played hurt last week. As long as they can throw the football, I, I like the pokes plus the, the candy here. But I, I tell you what, it's I, I do believe in Texas's ability to score and their ability to put up points. I also believe in Oklahoma State's ability to score and put up points at home. Now, very, very interesting statistical study here. I was doing some research on uh, scoring defense. Oklahoma State has hung their hat over the last several years on scoring defense, their ability to get after the passer, to limit your total points, to make it very, very uncomfortable for you to move the football, especially in Stillwater. Do you know what Oklahoma State is giving up per game this year this shocked me it it seems way higher than what's been their standard the last couple of years yeah 30.4 points a game that's good for just 90th in the country which when I look at them on paper they've played so much better than that like I almost think that's a misleading stat because yeah they've been in some shootouts but I've still felt at times like their defense has had the ability to take over a game and eliminate your ability to either come back or really have a chance to win until last week against TCU when it was like all four wheels just fell off the the, the car, right? All of a sudden, their yeah. offense is stagnant. They can't move the football. They're going three and out. Their drives are lasting like 25 seconds, and the defense can't stop Max Duggan through the air or on the ground. So that is my my big concern with Oklahoma State, that being said, though, they are just a bear to play in Stillwater. Even if you think Texas comes in and wins this game, which I think they can, we haven't talked about Texas's struggles against Iowa State that much last week, but even if you expect Texas to come in, score the, the, the ball, play well, these games are always really close. I think back to the last couple times that Texas has beaten Oklahoma State in Stillwater, even if Texas was infinitely more talented, the Pokes get up for this game. So, Saturday afternoon, it's going to be hot. Uh, I I like the Cowboys to at least keep it close. So give me Oklahoma State plus the six and a half is my lucky dog of the week. I think they they, they hang in there and fight. Yeah, Garrett's doubling down with you as uh, taking the Cowboys as his lucky dog of the week as well. A couple of streaks working against uh, Texas as well. You know, they're under Sarkeesian, they are one and four in true road games in big 12 play. They are, they've not been good on the road. They of course lost to Texas tech earlier this year. I know Quinn Ewers was out and all the narratives surrounding that, that horn fans have made that abundantly clear what they think would happen if Quinn was there. But that being said, they have not been good on the road in conference play in the Sarkeesian area. That part scares me as well. I think all else being equal, I'm taking Oklahoma State in the points too. I just I just think six and a half is way too much to give Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State. Like you said, this has always traditionally been a very close game, usually decided by, you know, one 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 score, ten points, something like that. And it's also just been kind of dominated by Oklahoma State in the last ten years or so. I think they've only won three out of the last ten 
or something like that against Oklahoma State, regardless of where that was. So give me the pokes plus six and a half. I think, especially if Spencer Sanders is healthy, that seems like a pretty easy bet to me. Yeah, I, I agree. If, if Spencer is, is fine and ready to go, love Oklahoma State to win this game outright. It is homecoming for the pokes as well. So you know that that place is going to be Boone Pickens is going to be rocking, right? It's going to be yeah. hostile. The, the the field is right, or the, the the stands are right up on the field, so you know that that Texas sideline is going to be wearing it verbally. Um, it, it's going to be a really fun atmosphere to be at if you're going to that game. Uh, congratulations. Uh, soak that in, and uh, it's definitely a game that I will be watching on my main screen come the afternoon slate. All right, uh, so those are our headlining games. Uh, by the way, Garrett also on Oklahoma State plus six and a half. It's his lucky dog of the week, so that once again makes all three of us. Um, those are our headlining games. Absolute must-watch uh, features for this weekend. If you are just interested in watching all things college football, may we suggest a few more games, starting with another Big 12 contest, top 20 showdown between the TCU Horn Frogs at number eight in the country and the 17th ranked Kansas State Wildcats. The Horn Frogs, three and a half favorites. They're undefeated as well. You can watch this game Saturday night, 7 p.m. on FS1. I, I'm going to let you take the, the TCU side of things here because this is the first game where we differ. You and Garrett rolling with the Horn Frogs and the points. I'm going to lay the, or uh, I'm going to take the candy, I should say with Kansas State, but give me the case for the Horn Frogs hopefully wearing normal jerseys this week. You know, it's more it's it's not as much as what I can convince you on how to take the uh, TCU Horn Frogs and, you know, three and a half point spread, that's weird. Of course, it's three and a hook, so a field goal doesn't get it for you. That's always a tough spread to bet, but Man, I think it's just more of a until they prove otherwise, I'm just going to assume that TCU is better than what Vegas thinks. They've been very, very good against the spread. Now, that's not talking about anything on the field. That's just kind of talking about gambling philosophy. Yeah. So on the field, this is going to be an amazing uh, matchup of quarterbacks that we weren't so sure about coming into the season. We've beaten the Max Duggan storyline to death on this show. Obviously, it's an amazing story coming out of nowhere. and retaking the starting job and performing as well as he has but um adrian martinez has just completely turned his collegiate career around at kansas state and early in the season it was not looking that way but he has definitely turned it around that Tulane loss that kansas state had early in the season it looks more and more forgivable yeah. every single week that's now a top 25 loss Tulane's sure. ranked in the top 25 so i don't know i this seems like two very very even teams to me and I think TCU really impressed me snatching victory from the jaws of defeat last week against Oklahoma state. I'm just kind of riding with them. It, it, they're on, they're on a heater. They're hot right now. And they are just kind of rolling into this matchup. Not that Kansas state isn't, but TCU is really rolling into this matchup. And I think I'm just going to roll with them until proven otherwise. I tell you what, it's, it took some, some mental gymnastics for me to take Kansas State in the points. And here's why. Here's here's what I came up with as I kicked this ball game around in my brain. TCU has come out of nowhere to be one of the best stories in college football. Max Duggan has come out of nowhere to be one of the best quarterbacks in college football this season. All of that 
behind a first-year head coach at TCU in Sonny Dykes who went across the Metroplex, went from the 214 to the 817 for uh, a salary that immediately was then matched by Rhett Lashley getting a boost here at SMU. All of that to say, TCU has been kind of the darling of college, one of the darlings of college football, especially in the Big 12 over the last few weeks. And that wears on a team. There are only so many times in a row that you can get up and be told, you know, you're the the next big thing in college football. You've got all the momentum. You can keep this rolling. This is a sneaky good Kansas State team. I mean, you may not think they're sneaky with the number 17 next to their name, but they have a propensity to, to beat teams that are either better, more talented, higher ranked than them. And that's just kind of the Kansas State brand of football, right? It was the Bill Snyder way, and Chris Kleiman has continued that into his head coaching tenure. I I feel like Kansas State is not being given the national attention that they probably deserve for just being a very solid football team. You mentioned their one loss against Tulane. Boy, that's not looking nearly as bad as when it happened. Uh, And so for me... TCU, I think eventually that hype train has got to run out of a little bit of steam. Now, if they go 12-0, and congrats. I mean, holy cow, nobody's going to predict that. And because nobody's going to predict that, I'm going to take Kansas State plus the 3.5. I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, to see the Wildcats pull this one out uh, straight up. I mean, that's what Adrian Martinez has, has showed an ability to do. Deuce Vaughn, I think he's the best player on the field. And if Kansas State who has the 20th best ranked scoring defense can find a way to take away those wide receivers for TCU and just make it kind of a a battle of the run games. I love the Wildcats in this. So I'm going to go with three in the hook. Give me Kansas state and the candy. And uh, I'm, I'm the only one on the show rolling with the Wildcats. So I'd love to be right and plant my flag here. The over under this game is 55 and that seems a little low to me. Yeah. yeah, like TCU's offense is scary. And if you're telling me Kansas State's going to have to try to keep up with that. Now, I know Kansas State's game is to kind of take the air out of the ball a little bit and be more run heavy. So that kind of plays into the under just a little bit. But man, I don't think you can do that in a game where the other team is probably going to score quite a few points. So yeah, I think I would take the over in this one as well. Yeah, I think you're going to have to rely on the big play. Uh, that's been TCU's MO. I think Kansas State's going to have to match that if they give up a couple of big plays, especially early. So I agree. Plus, betting unders in college football is just never never fun nor advisable. Uh, Tuscaloosa on Saturday night, 6 p.m. ESPN is the site of our next game. Number 24, Mississippi State at number 6, Alabama. Uh, Trey, my historical note, of the week um not sponsored by the history channel but certainly could be if they're listening to this podcast uh i've heard that the annual bulldog offering to the tide was how the ancient greeks kept poseidon happy at least so i've been told roll tide in this game Uh, mississippi state has made a habit of getting shellacked by alabama it's really not their fault the sec does them zero favors in the schedule it feels like they always get the tide on the heels of another big game. And Mississippi State's not usually a team that can, you know, string together multiple impressive ranked wins. It's just not been something that they've necessarily done, whether it was Dan Mullen, Mike Leach, whoever's at the helm. And it always seems like the Tide get to clean up after Mississippi State has just expended all their resources, either in a close win 
or in a loss like they experienced last week. Plus, I mean, gosh, the nation has laughed at Alabama for the last week for losing to Tennessee. Their fans have handled it just as poorly as you could ever imagine. Now, I will say, the one thing that that makes me nervous about this game, Jermaine Burton, we do not know what his status is going to be going into this game because as the week has progressed, we record this on Wednesday night, as the week has progressed, a video of him punching a Tennessee, uh, Tennessee female student who's running by him on the field when they storm the field has come out. There's an investigation being done. We don't really know what's going to happen at this point as of recording it, but I don't know that I would feel good about him playing. Alabama has already had some issues at wide receiver with continuity and consistency, so that's kind of my one question mark. Can Alabama throw the ball against Mississippi State consistently to cover this spread? I think Alabama wins it. That's that's a lock of the week. Bama on the money line, you know, you're going to get your money. But 21 is a big number, so that's my one question. That being said, though, I'm going to take the tide minus the points pretty comfortably here. Yeah, we also want to, you know, definitely address the news that came out today and Sam Westmoreland, um, freshman player from Mississippi State, just – tragically passing away that's a terrible loss for mississippi state that's a terrible loss for the westmoreland family you never want to make that transition but you know the human element is going to play a real role in this game uh just in the emotion that's going to come out of losing a teammate the week of a game like this um you know it's going to be an interesting situation i i think i'm personally taking mississippi plus the three touchdowns and I think it says more about Alabama than it does Mississippi State that I'm taking that because this just feels a little different for Alabama this year. I know it, Tennessee's a great team. And that was a tough environment, but the penalties are a huge red flag. That wasn't just a one-week occurrence. The you know lack of discipline that we just really haven't seen from a Nick Saban coach team. Yeah, you said it perfectly in the altercation with a student on the field after a game. Like, That is not something you would expect from a Nick Saban coach team. So there's just a lot of red flags for Alabama right now. Now, I'm not going to say that they're not the favorites to win the West or that I don't think they'll make it to Atlanta, but I don't think they cover this game by 21 points. Now, the historical narrative that you're talking about and why Mississippi State needs to write a strongly worded letter to Greg Sankey about the scheduling process is just, it's just silly at this point because You go back to 2019, uh, they play on November 16th. Alabama had just lost to LSU the week before, and they beat Mississippi State in Starkville 38-7. to Last year, the week after Alabama lost to A&M, they beat Mississippi State in Starkville 49-9. So if you're Mississippi State, you don't want to play Alabama the week after they lost to somebody. But I don't know. This just feels a little bit different to me. I'm going to take Mississippi State plus the points. Yeah, I was going to say, the the last time that Mississippi State beat Alabama, looking up the historical context, uh, was November 10th of 2007. Mississippi State won 17-12. to 12. They also won Saban's the year. Saban's first year, right? Yeah. That was his first year? Yeah, it uh, was Saban's first year. They also won the year before in 2006. Since then, I'm going to read off the finals since 2008, and uh, just, just do with this what you will if you're out there in the betting public. Uh, we'll start in 2008. Alabama, 32-7 for Mississippi State, 31-3, 30-10, 27, or 24-7, excuse me, 
27, 25, 20, 31 to 6, 51 to 3, 31 to 24. So there was a close game in 2017, 24 to nothing, 38 to 7, 41 to 0, 49 to 9. It's just not, <laughs> it's not been a favorable last decade and a half for Mississippi State when playing the top. How good was Dak Prescott that he had a five-point game? <laughs> That's right. The overall series, by the way, and Bulldog fans, close your ears, 84-18-3 and three in favor of Alabama. Mississippi and it State dates back favorite. to 1896. I'm I'm also on Winsipedia right now, yeah. so it's not like it's just a recent thing either. No, um, they, yeah, good good luck, Bulldogs. I I wish you the best of luck this weekend. Um, let's go say in the SEC. Actually, let's go to Baton Rouge. Another very curious line on hand. We've got number seven Ole Miss on the road against LSU. LSU is a one and a half point favorite. This is a CBS game of the week, 2:30 p.m. Uh, on Saturday afternoon. Weird line. Uh, again, another one that we we continue to highlight. It's fun to get to break these down in an official capacity, but when you see LSU favored over the number seven team in the country who's undefeated, what's your initial reaction? Well, I think, you know, LSU really impressed me last week. Uh, LSU looked really, really good against Florida on offense. Now, the defense, that's that's a whole other story. I think giving up 35 to a one-dimensional Florida team is definitely a cause for concern, and that's followed up after giving up 40 to Tennessee the week before. Defense is definitely a cause for concern. If they can't stop the run, this is going to be a very, very long day for the boys in purple and gold. But I don't know. I think LSU's starting to get a little bit of respect. We kind of wrote them off after that first game uh, of the season against Florida State, but I think they're starting to get a little bit more respect. So. This is a prove-it game for Ole Miss. I know they beat Kentucky um, a few weeks ago, but other than that Kentucky game at home, this is you know the biggest game that they've had so far this year. It's their first tough road game. They went to Vanderbilt. They went to Georgia Tech, but obviously neither of those venues hold a candle to Death Valley. So yep. I don't know. I, I'm really interested to see how Ole Miss responds to this situation probably the best team maybe that they played so far i don't know lsu kentucky kind of a toss-up to me florida LSU state can you can score. throw in there as well yeah yeah i i mean i don't know this this is probably the best team that both teams have played so far at least from a talent standpoint so i'm really interested to see how Ole Miss responds i'm gonna steer into this line i'm gonna take lsu minus a point now yeah garrett's taking Ole miss plus one and a half his analysis he asks should i steer into this one not a chance so he's gonna roll with the rebels um i would like to announce that it's final boarding uh flight 2022 for underthink airways uh final destination of baton rouge both both offenses like to score but lsu really only struggles against the pass statistically you look at a, a very similar situation in the game against tennessee Hendon Hooker got whatever he wanted through the air. I don't think that Jackson Dart can can do that. Now, he threw for a billion yards against Vanderbilt. That was Vanderbilt. This is a very different LSU team on the road. Um, I, I haven't been impressed by Jackson Dart, other than his commitment to the Anakin Skywalker uh, face, face black, um, eye black. <laughs> He hadn't done anything that really has impressed me. His completion percentage is not good. He does not handle the blitz well at all. So 
the Tigers, it feels like they're getting some stuff going, especially offensively. Plus, again, with this line, like, what does Vegas know? The seventh-ranked team on the country is a dog on the road. I'm going to trust the powers that be. I'm going to steer into it as well. So give me LSU minus the point and a half in the CBS primetime slot. Uh, we've had a lot of fun talking about the SEC games. Maybe, maybe a matchup that's not nearly as fun to talk about, at least not anymore. Minnesota on the road at number 16, Penn State. The Nittany Lions, four and a half point favorites after getting blown out by Michigan a week ago. Saturday, ABC, 6.30 p.m. if you choose to watch this game. Penn State couldn't stop the run a week ago. So on one hand, you could say Minnesota plus the point. I choose to say Penn State minus the four and a half at home because Minnesota can't do anything but run the ball, and Kirk Sharaka has immeasurably disappointed me here in the middle of the season. I was rowing the boat. I wanted to get Minnesota, rowed all the way to Indianapolis for the Big Ten championship game, and that dream is sinking like a stone. So give me Penn State to bounce back. I think they're the better team, minus the four and a half. I'm taking Minnesota plus four and a half, and I think it's solely based on what you just highlighted. Penn State gave up over 400 yards on the ground last week, and Minnesota's bread and butter is running the ball through Mo Ibrahim. So I don't know. I think that does enough to keep this game close and within one possession. I think Penn State wins. Is this the whiteout game? Do you know? Yes, yes, it is. It is the whiteout game. So Penn State, of course, traditionally performs extremely well in the whiteout game. and it's against a little bit lower tier of opponent. I think they were expecting Minnesota to be ranked in this one. I certainly was expecting yeah. Minnesota to be ranked in this one preseason. So I don't know. That Penn State rush defense just scared the snot out of me last week. So I'm going to take Minnesota. I think it's going to be a close game. Penn State wins, but Minnesota covers. They gave up over 400 yards. That's rushing. not good. That is cause for concern if you're a Penn State fan. <laughs> that is to be clear. I don't. I don't think that giving up that many yards on the ground is a winning formula or a consistently no. winning formula. I I agree. The problem is Michigan can also sling it just a little bit, and I, I think that honestly, Penn State was confused as to on the road early game. It just never felt like they had the right play call dialed up when they were defending the pass. It was a run when they decided to, to you know, stack the box and and get after the 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 rush defense. JJ McCarthy rolls out and throws play action over their head. So not nearly as dynamic of an offense. Um, Tanner Morgan just not moving well in the pocket in those orthopedic shoes in his seventeenth year of college el- eligibility. So, I, you know, listen. Minnesota got stuffed, has been stuffed the last couple weeks in the run. It's just not looked good. Penn State, yeah, they're not impressing me with their front four, but I I do think that they're the better team. Plus, we could see Drew Aller. Uh, Sean Clifford continues to be banged up at quarterback, and I I think that Nittany Lion fans as a whole would love to see Sean Clifford, you know, uh, put out to pasture a little bit as – as a respected elder statesman of their quarterback club. And I think they'd like the young gun to come in and, and sling it uh, for, for lack of a better term. So maybe we see drew Aller. I don't know, but Penn state, I think is the better team. Kansas at Baylor Baylor eight point favorite after a stunning road defeat in uh, West Virginia last week. This is a Saturday morning game, 11 AM kick on ESPN. 
this seems like a lot of points for a Baylor team that couldn't stop a nosebleed last week. Plus, you throw in the fact that Blake Shapin was knocked out of last week's game with a concussion. I haven't personally heard any any injury status update on him. Now, Kyron Drones is a very capable backup quarterback, highly recruited kid coming out of uh, Alvin Shadow Creek in high school. So I think Baylor can score. I think the offense will be fine. The problem is Kansas can also score. And I know, listen, they keep losing big-time pieces, big-time skill players. I don't think Jason Bean cares. I think the mean bean machine slings for a lot of yards, keeps Kansas close. I do think Baylor wins this football game, but eight points is a lot to give a, a team that hasn't played a ton of defense. So give me Kansas in a shootout to cover the number. Kansas is my lucky dog of the week um, for everything that you just said. I have been very vocal about how I don't believe in Baylor to be a legit contender in the Big 12. I, I'll happily take my victory lap on that. Yeah. But yeah, Kansas's offense is just way too explosive to give more than a possession, right? Like, I mean, eight points is a possession, touchdown, two-point conversion. But you get what I mean. More than a touchdown for an explosive offense like Kansas Give me the Jayhawks, even on the road. Kansas is also 6-0-1 against the spread this year. So Vegas might be still trying to catch up and figure out exactly how good Kansas is. What was the spread for the Oklahoma game last week? Was it 10 at close? Did Let they get a push? Let that up real quick. Because looks we, like... In our pick anybody that took Kansas lost by a point last week. Um, So the line at the kick was 10 and a half for OU and that ended up being a 10 point game so they beat the spread congratulations if you waited until kickoff you won if you bet it with us on the spread option you lost sorry about it I know because I was one that took Kansas and lost by a point uh Garrett is also on the Jayhawks so that makes it a three tech trifecta if you're keeping score at home a game that I think we would continue to rather not talk about. That's why I put it towards the bottom of the run sheet. Our beloved it is the Texas- greatest rivalry in college football, <laughs> sir. I will have you know. Battle for the Bonham Trophy gets uh, going in Columbia, South Carolina. Texas A&M on the road against the Gamecocks. Saturday, SEC Network, uh, 6.30 p.m. Kick if you choose to partake in this one. I hate that AM of all the years this year, they have to go on the road at night in Columbia. Sandstorm's going to be bumping. It's not going to be a fun place to play. But the thing that gives me solace is that South Carolina is bad on offense with a capital B. Spencer Rattler has not been good this season. Uh, the worst QBR in the Southeastern Conference. It's, it's a weird symbiotic relationship south carolina doesn't trust spencer rattler to throw the ball and give him a chance to get in rhythm because he makes bad plays spencer rattler makes bad plays and turns the ball over because south carolina doesn't trust him to throw the ball and get in a rhythm it's it's just weird right now i think a lot of people including myself thought that that rattler was going to be more of an answer at quarterback and that's not been the case texas a&m is coming off a bye and they have to win this game They absolutely have to win this game. I don't know that the offense will have improved from the Alabama game, but if you play like you did against Alabama, I think you win this game. I think your defense finds a way to really make it tough for South Carolina to score the football. That being said, Trey, we don't know who's going to be taking snaps at quarterback for the Aggies. Is it going to be Haynes King? Is it going to be the true freshman Connor Wegman? Who could say? So I'm very hesitantly taking Texas A&M, but I will take them minus the three. 
I'm going to take AM minus three as well. This is going to be an ugly football game. I think we can agree on that, right? I'm looking at the stats. Over-under is 44 and a half. I think that's too high. Like, I, I'm expecting this to be like a 20 to 13 type of game, personally. So, yeah, th- this is just going to be an ugly game. It, it's two teams whose offense runs through the running back position. Not something you definitely want to say in the year 2022, but Devon A. Chain and uh, Marshawn Lloyd for the Gamecocks. It's going to be a battle of who can kind of move the chains better, in my opinion. I think personally, Anum has the better defense and the slightly better offensive line. I know both teams have just been not good not on good. the offensive line this year. Yeah. South Carolina ranks 80th in sacks given up, and uh, Texas AM. You know, they they might actually be lower than that. I'm scanning the stats pages right now, but <laughs> I, I think that's going to be a problem for uh, this uh, South Carolina front. I think the AM defensive line is going to be a problem for the South Carolina offensive line, and that's going to end up being the difference in this game. So I'll take AM by definitely the minus three. I think it could even be by about a touchdown. I'm very, very concerned about if South Carolina can get to third down Texas A&M ranks 119th in the country in third down percentage I'm very quickly trying to look up South Carolina's they're slightly better at 82nd in the country Texas A&M isn't even gonna be ugly man this is gonna be such an ugly game the the Aggies aren't even converting a quarter of their third downs right now South Carolina is getting first downs at a 35 percent clip I do think Texas A&M defense, Texas A&M's defense is far better than South Carolina's, so I'll give the nod to the Aggies. But yeah, I mean, I, I know it's in the main screen uh, edition of, of this preview. That's really just because it's one of the better games that we need to talk about. If you can't avoid this game, if, if you didn't go to either one of these schools, I would just avoid the SEC network at all costs on Saturday night. If, if you want to know how it's going... Follow us on Twitter. We'll we'll be posting our thoughts because Trey and I are, are contractually obligated to uh to watch that. It's it's part of what you sign up for when you go to the Colt. But the intangible in this one, Mitch, again, it is the biggest rivalry in college football, the battle for the Bonham trophy. <laughs> AM is not gonna give up that Bonham trophy for the first time. Well, they, they never they, lost. They do not. There's too much pride in that locker room yeah. to give up something as sacred as the Bonham trophy. Yeah. I actually think that trophy is in the basement of the Alamo currently. I think I read that online. Wow. So not even on campus. But. Hallowed ground. Uh, yeah, to quote the 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 visionary LeVar Ball, never lost. Uh, Texas A&M has not lost that game. I don't think they start this year. Final game in our main screen previews, and we go to the game of the year I in the MAC. I love that you put this game in here. I had to. I, I As I... As I look through the games, like I said, it's not just a fantastic national slate of games, but I know as you now are in the conference uh, schedules, you have the group of five battling tooth and nail to reach their conference championship games. And this is the best one of the weekend. Toledo leading the MAC West, Buffalo leading the MAC East. They square off Saturday at high noon in the Central Time Zone. You can find this on ESPN. This might be worth the Hulu bundle if you can just to watch this game alone. Buffalo has reeled off four straight wins. Toledo, by the way, seven and a half point favorites. I think that's absurdly high, and I'll get to that in just a second. Buffalo has reeled off four straight wins. Toledo has three straight. 
I like Buffalo's chances outright to grab their fifth straight win. Buffalo has the 49th best scoring offense. They have the 49th total defense. So symmetry wins. Cole Snyder slangs the rock in a winning effort for the Buffalo Bulls. Give me the home team here. Plus the seven and a half. And like I said, I think they win outright. I think that is way too high for the Toledo Rockets. I love Buffalo. They're just a great team to follow. So I'm right there with you. Give me the home dog. Buffalo plus seven and a half. Also, Buffalo wearing some sweet throwback uniforms. Oh, they're they amazing. The helmets, especially the throwback Buffalo Bulls logo. Mm, amazing. Just just gorgeous. So by, by uniform science alone, we've got to back the home team. All right, second screen games to whip around very quickly here in the last few minutes of the show. We start with, I think, a funeral in uh, the, the, the horseshoe. Uh, Ohio State. 29 point favorites over the Iowa Hawkeyes. This is an 11 a.m. kick. I Is that Big Noon kickoff? Yes. Yes. What are is. we doing, Fox? Well, <laughs> well Big Noon we kickoff doing? went to Michigan four straight weeks in a row. So they had to go somewhere else. And this was the next best game. Again, if you are a CBS fan and have been accustomed to watching the SEC on CBS, this is what you're getting now in 2023 and beyond. The primetime game of the week is going to be an anemic Iowa offense against Ohio State that will hang 60 on them. The spread, as I mentioned, 29 points in favor of the Buckeyes. And Trey, I truly cannot find a reason to take Iowa plus the points in this. No, you shouldn't. There's no way that Iowa's going to even have a prayer of keeping up with Ohio State. It's they're going to be playing their backups in the second half. And I think in the preseason, we were looking at this game as maybe a tough one for Ohio State, but no, it's not going to be pretty for Iowa. I was looking forward to this one in the offseason, but yeah, it's not even going to be a blip on my radar. I'm not even going to consider turning my TV unless just something absolutely insane happens. I think Ohio State legitimately could win this game without a pass attempt. They do not have to partake in the forward pass, and I think Travian Henderson and that talented stable of running backs could beat Iowa. Because you think about it, they find the end zone twice. I mean, throw the key away, go home. Uh, unless you are obviously financially interested in the uh, in in the spread, Ohio State wins at that point. I think they scored twice, two touchdowns, and this game is over. Um, yeah, I will. I'll check the score periodically in ESPN, but I'm not watching this. This is that game in your NCAA dynasty that you try that, right? Like there's always one <laughs> per season, especially if I had a smaller school that I'm like, huh, I wonder if I could win this game without attempting a pass. Yeah. Could I win this game only running the yeah. ball? That's Ohio State this weekend. Yeah, uh, not not going to be the most entertaining game on the weekend. I, I tell you what, a game under the radar could be very entertaining. We had season tickets to it, but then none of us can can end up going to it. Cincinnati. A ranked squad number 22 in the AP poll. They are on the road in Dallas this weekend to take on the Ponies of SMU. Cincinnati, a three-point favorite, also an 11 a.m. kick. I struggle. I, I want so desperately to take SMU. And in the preseason, when I identified as this, uh, this would be a fun game to go to, one of the main reasons why we bought season tickets was for this home schedule. The problem is SMU has not been able to play defense, and Cincinnati for all that they lost last year, has still proven to be an effective team moving the ball through the air. Ben Bryant is going to get his. And SMU just doesn't have the guys to stop it. I mean, they were in 
They, they've been in shootouts week in and week out, and that's when their offense is clicking and not turning the football over. I think Cincinnati's defense probably forces a couple turnovers on the road. Give me the Bearcats minus three. I hate it. Hate it for the ponies, but I got to take Cincinnati here. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Cincinnati is my stone cold lock of the week. And I hate that they are. I I hate that I'm picking that defiantly against SMU, but you're right. I think the SMU offense is good for a turnover or two a game, and Cincinnati has a really good defense. I think that's going to travel. Cincinnati does tend to play very close games, though, so that could kind of throw a wrench in the plans. Look at the South Florida game a couple weeks ago. That definitely wasn't pretty. Not playing a pretty game of football, but they are winning games, and they're usually, you know, not just running away with it, but relatively in control. Yeah. A couple other games to get to here. Let's go out west to the Plains, where Texas Tech hosts West Virginia in the John Denver rivalry game. Uh, a man who actually went to Texas Tech, obviously is famous for his country road song that West Virginia sings every home game. And Arlington Heights High School. Shout out Garrett and shout out to my grandfather. That's right. Yellow Jackets alum. Uh, Texas Tech laying six and a half. This is a 2 p.m. kick. I West West Virginia, it felt like their, their one big upset was last week when they beat Baylor at home, and they expended everything to beat the Bears. I mean, that was... That, that took a full effort, and I think it might have been their deal with the devil to beat Baylor in an important home game, a Thursday night game, eyes of the nation upon you. Going to Texas Tech, a team that can score, and and listen, their defense their defense harassed Oklahoma State a couple of weeks ago. I think Texas Tech is even off a bye. I, I'm not positive about that. I don't remember yeah, them they are. last week. Yeah, okay. So they're catching West Virginia at a really bad time if you're a Mountaineer. Give me the home team in Texas Tech uh, minus the six and a half here. I like, honestly, I like the Red Raiders by two scores. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think the offense is going to be too much for West Virginia. It's probably going to be a pretty nice back and forth shootout if you're just looking for an entertaining game in the afternoon window or an appetizer to that uh, Oregon-UCLA game, but yeah, I, give me Tech at home. I think West Virginia, you're absolutely right, got it out of their system last week, beating Baylor, and they're probably back down to earth this week. Uh, two other games to mention here, Memphis at Tulane. That's a 230 contest. Tulane is in the AP ranking as the 25th team in the country for the first time since 1998. Of course, the year that Tennessee won the national championship a lot of things starting to feel like 1998. Maybe the Tulane Green Wave are also partying like it's the late 90s. Uh, let's go with the good story. Michael Pratt continues to get that offense rolling. I'll take Tulane over the Memphis Tigers. Amazing turnaround. Um, you know, just a couple of years ago, I think even last year, weren't they like two and ten? Two and ten last, last year. year. They, were, yeah. they were so bad last year and back in the top 25 for the first time in a long time. So amazing story. I'll take him at home as well. It's always tough for these teams that kind of crack the top 25. We saw that with James Madison last week. There's just so much reading of your own press clippings and all that uh, cliche. But yeah, I, I like them to cover this week against Memphis. Purdue at Wisconsin. Boy, this was supposed to be an awesome game in the preseason. A potential battle for Big Ten West supremacy. Instead, 
Trey, they are both looking up at the mighty Illinois fighting Illini who have the top-ranked scoring defense in the country, by the way. So shout-out Big Chief. Shout-out Illinois. Purdue, though, it, it feels like if they close Wisconsin out in this game, that Wisconsin's entire season is over. They're 3-4. and four. They're 1-3 and three in conference. This is Wisconsin's last gasp at relevancy in the year 2022. Um, I know they're at home. I, I don't. I don't think I'm going to back the Badgers, though. Uh, Purdue has a better quarterback. They have the more explosive offense, and they're just more stable, if we're being quite honest, than what the Badgers are rolling out there. So I'll take Purdue. I think it's a two-horse race in the West between Purdue and Illinois. November 12th, can't get here soon enough. That's going to be a fun night. I cannot for the life of me figure out why Wisconsin's favored in this game. And usually that's a clear sign that you steer into it, but would it shock you if Purdue won this game by three touchdowns? No. No, I, it wouldn't me either. So I'm going to take Purdue in the points. <laughs> love love it. Just back and forth there. All right, let's close this show out with the ledger. Uh, Trey, I'll let you go over Garrett's picks as well. Uh, took a week off uh, last week. Uh, we just didn't didn't get the picks in. Just on, a little bye week. We, we need a little midseason recharge. That's right. Uh, so I'll I'll turn it over to you first. Go ahead and cover yours, and then mention Garrett's as well. All right, I've got a couple really spicy matchups here. So I'm giving Garrett BYU. I'll take Liberty Fighting Flames at home against the Storm and Mormons. Liberty catching six and a half. I'll take the six and a half point candy and take Liberty. Um, for Mitch, for you, you're going to be a Missouri Tiger fan. Okay. Um, and I'm going to take Vanderbilt plus 14. And that's not necessarily an endorsement of Vanderbilt. It's more of a <laughs> knock against Missouri. But I'm going to take Vanderbilt plus 14 at Mizzou. Uh, that is a the week after Vandy gets their teeth kicked in by Georgia. 55 to nothing. Missouri is only a two touchdown favorite. That is not good. If you're a Missouri, yeah, I think Tiger Vandy fan. can keep it close. I like legitimately. I'm not joking. I think Vandy will keep that one close. Oh, I mean, they can't. They can't be any worse than they were last week. And Missouri has been anything but the picture of offensive efficiency. So, I think that's a very solid pick. Um, Garrett has some huge lines that he's taking. Massive. Yeah. So he's giving you um, Notre Dame. UNLV is catching 24 and a half um, on the road at Notre Dame. He says, I don't think the Irish are nearly good enough to cover that spread. He's giving me Iowa. So, you know, not feeling great about that. Not feeling great about backing the corn. But Ohio State, again, 29-point favorites at home against Iowa. Mitch or Garrett is taking the Buckeyes against me. He, he notes Iowa might not cross midfield. And listen, Garrett is the hot take artist of this podcast I don't really know that that's a hot take. They, that's not a hot take, unless it's a defensive touchdown. I don't think that they're going to yeah. cross midfield. The, the fighting <laughs> Riley Mosses might be the only way that Iowa has a prayer of covering this. Um, so, yeah, two two gargantuan lines that Garrett's handed out. I've given out two relatively small lines, although um, Garrett is not thrilled with my selection. Let's start with the game I gave you, though. I gave you Eastern New Mexico. I'm going to take Ball State, another Maction game. Ball State's four and three. They're favored by two over Eastern New Mexico, or Eastern New Mexico, Eastern Michigan, who got blown out on their own field a week ago. 
Ball State's got a good offense. They throw the ball well. Now they got to limit the turnovers, but I'm going to say that Ball State at home, they're a favorite for the reason. You're basically giving me a pick 'em, so give me the more explosive offense in Ball State. That's against that you. That is a dangerous mindset for a two point spread. I learned that with Iowa State. Well, Kansas that's State. that's fair, and it's it's action, baby. So you know that it could just as easily go the other way in a heartbeat. Um, but uh, you know these are the terms and conditions we sign up for with this podcast. Against Garrett, I'm sorry, buddy. I when I threw these together, I didn't really pay attention in the order of which I was doling them out. But I've taken Garrett's heartthrob, Duke. Four and three Duke Blue Devils plus nine. They're getting nine points on the road at Miami this week. Uh, Garrett had some choice words for me in the show doc. I don't understand. I, I don't understand this line whatsoever. Miami's a nine point favorite, and with all the offensive instability that they've had, the the struggle to stop folks consistently on defense. I'm not saying Duke's a world beater, but you're giving me over you know basically two scores with which to cover give me the blue devils on the road they've been the scrappier team i think they're going to play harder than miami will with you know a team that came in with all these preseason expectations a new coach recruiting success and it's all blown up in your face give me duke on the road the team that actually wants to win this game and garrett again i apologize for making you root against your your darling here but uh that's the way the cookie crumbles I love all of our picks this week, and that probably means that we'll all go two and two because we lost all of them. But that's typically I'm legitimately a fan of every single pick. Yeah, that's that's typically how it works. All right, my friend. Well, what a week we have in store. I think it, it appears that there are certainly some windows where you can maybe not be in front of the TV. I think perhaps the early morning slate is is one of those. If you don't care necessarily about. Clemson, Syracuse. I think you could get out in the early window. I also think, honestly, some of the some of the evening games leave a little bit less to than than to be desired. So I think you could maybe put it on your phone, go to a pumpkin patch, go do something with the family. Uh, the afternoon window, though, that two thirty slate, that's where some prime football games are. We would fully endorse being in front of your your TV screen there. I'm excited though. I'm excited to learn who who really asserts themselves as the dominant force in the conference specifically as we let off the show the big 12 the pac 12 who emerges as legitimate playoff contenders out of those two conferences should be a lot of fun to watch this weekend yeah and a lot of those teams need to bounce back from a loss right alabama oklahoma state even texas like won a game but kind of felt like a loss maybe to some some in that fan base so yeah lots of bounce back opportunities and lots of really interesting games like you said especially in that window in the middle of the day. It's the weekend. It is fall weather down here in the South, and we just could not be any more excited. For Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, who sends his best, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for listening to the Week 8 preview. Until next time, so long, everybody. (laughs) 